Do unsolved mysteries keep you up at night? Do you spend hours searching for that one clue that everyone else has missed? Do you have pet true crime cases that you keep coming back to and you desperately want to see solved? So do we. I'm Allie, a graphic designer who loves mysteries. And I'm Kat, a forensic anthropology student. And we're the hosts of Doe, a podcast dedicated to Doe cases from around the world. Each episode, we discuss two cases of deceased individuals whose identities are unknown, and one case where their identity is now known, but the circumstances surrounding their death might still remain a mystery. Find us at doe.simplecast.com or listen wherever you get your favorite podcasts. No matter how dark a case is, how little evidence there appears to be, or how little faith police and the public have in it ever being solved, all cases deserve attention, exposure, and at least one person fighting on behalf of the victim for justice. In the case we will be covering today, there is very little physical evidence, and a murder victim found without her head, her family, or a name. Trigger warning, there will be talk of dismemberment, sexual abuse, and the murder of a child in this episode, as we uncover the case of Precious Hope Doe. Hello and welcome to the 21st episode of Uncover True Crime Podcast. My name is Stephanie and each week we uncover a different unsolved true crime case ranging from missing persons, unsolved murders, Jane and John Doe's and suspicious deaths. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and other podcast streaming apps as well as on YouTube by searching Uncover True Crime. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Uncover underscore pod and on Instagram at Uncover True Crime Pod. The case we're going to be talking about today was suggested to me by one of you guys, so thank you very much for bringing this case to my attention. If you have any cases you would like me to cover, my case suggestions form is always in the description of my episodes and that's the best way to send a case to me. Please listen to the end of the episode so I can tell you about the series I'm going to be releasing on this podcast next week. Without any further ado, let's uncover the unsolved murder of Precious Hope Doe. On the 28th of February 1983, two men looking for scrap metal decided to snoop inside an abandoned building on Clemens Avenue in St. Louis, Missouri. It was too dark to see, so one of the men used the flame on his lighter as a makeshift torch, and that's when they discovered the body of an African-American female lying on her stomach with her hands bound with red and white nylon rope. They called the police, who upon initially surveying the scene, believed the victim to be a sex worker, but when they turned her body over, they were horrified to discover the body was that of a child who hadn't even hit puberty yet. Stanley Stokowski, one of the investigators initially assigned to the case, said, quote, Just when you think you've seen everything, you see something like this. I've been working murders for 20 years and this has got to be the worst one I've seen, unquote. 
out. The medical examiner would later confirm that she had been sexually assaulted, something police present at the scene had feared given that she was naked from the waist down. The only article of clothing she was wearing when found was a yellow jumper covered in blood which had had the label removed. Something else that the killer had removed was the young girl's head and the mould that had grown in the base of her neck showed that she had likely been killed three to five days before her discovery. The medical examiner determined that the decapitation likely occurred after the young girl had died and while it was most likely she had died from strangulation, they couldn't rule out the possibility that she had been suffocated. She was determined to be between 8 and 11 years old, she stood anywhere between 4 foot 10 and 5 foot 6 and she weighed around 60 to 80 pounds, although some sources list her weight as being 58 pounds. The autopsy showed that she had a condition called spina bifida occulta. This is the most common type of spina bifida and basically means that the spine did not form properly during pregnancy and there is a small gap between the vertebrae likely due to a lack of folic acid. With spina bifida occulta, the gap is so small that it is usually asymptomatic and people are usually unaware they have it. Police combed through missing persons records and school absentee reports, looking for the identity of the young girl, but they were unsuccessful. Captain William Relling said, quote, Missing kids are a day-to-day -day problem. We've had cases where kids haven't been missed for a few days because it was thought they were at a relative's or a friend's. This really isn't out of the ordinary, but the longer we go without getting an identification would make me think the child is not from this area." Unquote. While they don't believe the girl, who would later be nicknamed Precious Hope Doe, was from the area, they believe her killer was, or at least that they were extremely familiar with St. Louis. Due to the lack of blood found at the scene, Police are certain that the abandoned building was merely a place to conceal the young girl's body and not the actual crime scene. The building had once been an apartment block but had been deserted for some time and it was purely by chance that the young girl was found so quickly after she had died. Either the killer got very lucky to find such a secluded spot to dump her body or they knew exactly where to go. Police searched miles around the building looking for the young girl's head, but to this day it has never been found. Therefore, there is no digital reconstruction of what she may have looked like in life or dental records to help aid in her identification. They know that the instrument used to decapitate her was likely a long sharp knife or an axe as the cut was very clean and the rope that was used to bound her was probably a ski rope or a boat line, but this information didn't help them make progress in the case. Investigators made the decision to bury her in an unmarked grave in October 1983, just 10 months after she was found. But police didn't forget about her or the person that had taken her life. Lieutenant John Doherty had this to say about the killer, quote, Whoever did this had to be a sadist. He has to be a vicious animal, and when we apprehend him, I think he should go right to the gas chamber. Unquote. Desperate times called for desperate measures and with no leads to speak of, police contacted psychics to aid in the case. They attended a seance with multiple mediums hoping for anything that might help find more clues, her name or her killer. The psychics told investigators that her head was in the Gulf of Mexico and although the police did follow up on this, it didn't lead to anything. They even went so far as to send over the blood-stained jumper and the nylon rope to a psychic in Florida, which not only led to no further information but resulted in police losing both pieces of vital evidence. 
The psychic never returned the jumper or rope back to the police and claimed that they had never received it to begin with. And just like that, it seemed as though both pieces of evidence had been lost in the mail. To this day, neither the rope or jumper has been located and probably never will be. In 2013, police decided to exhume her body hoping that advances in forensic science would aid in her identification. This would not be easy though as the graveyard where she was buried had appalling record keeping practices and she did not even have a gravestone. All volunteers had to go by were pictures taken the day she was buried showing the trees and other graves that surrounded the site where she was laid to rest. Volunteers did not give up and eventually her remains were discovered. Isotope testing was performed on her bones to try and determine where she might have been from based on the water she drank. Different sources name different states, but I'm going to list all the states where she was possibly from or may have lived during her short life. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, West Virginia, Georgia, Mississippi, Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee, Florida, Louisiana, and both North and South Carolina. As I've stated in previous episodes, isotope testing is not an exact science, but in a case where there's so little else to go by, it's a start. Even with such little evidence, there are some theories in this case. The first is that Precious Hope was murdered by her parents or only living family members and that's why no one reported her missing. This is certainly a possibility, however Precious Hope was well nourished prior to her death and besides the sexual assault that occurred shortly before she died, there were no other signs of abuse or neglect. When she was found, she also had her nails painted red, something that someone else likely did for her. This obviously doesn't rule out the possibility that she was killed by her family, but someone did care for this little girl during her life. It just makes me wonder even more how she's gone unidentified for 37 years. The second theory is that she was murdered by Vernon Brown, a convicted sex offender and murderer. He was convicted of molesting a 12-year-old girl in 1973 when he was 20 years old, a crime he only served four years in prison for. He killed nine-year-old Janet Perkins in 1986 in St. Louis while his stepchildren were upstairs in the family home. Two days later, her body was found in an alley behind his home. He was questioned and confessed to her murder as well as the 1985 murder of 19-year-old Sinette Ford. He was convicted of both of these murders and died by a lethal injection in 2005. Before his execution, he was questioned about Precious Hope's case as well as the murder of Kimberly Clark, whose body was found in a vacant property owned by Vernon's grandmother. He never confessed to either crime and although he is a suspect in up to 20 murders, he took all his secrets to the grave. From what I was able to gather, the two murders he was convicted of were both crimes of opportunity. The only reason he killed Janet Perkins is because he happened to see her pass his home. It is possible he just happened to come across Precious Hope as well, as he lived just over a mile from where she was found. While I do think he is a very good suspect in this case, Precious Hope's murder doesn't seem to fit his MO. In the crimes he's been convicted of, Vernon didn't make any real effort to conceal his victims' bodies, which is a big part of the reason why he was convicted. Nevertheless, it seems as though he is the most viable suspect the police have in this case, although this doesn't bring them any closer to finding her true identity. 
Nine missing girls have been ruled out as being precious hope though. I will list them now in ascending order from when they went missing. Cherie Truman, last seen on the 13th of June 1970 in Forsyth, North Carolina. Cherise McGee, last seen on the 1st of August 1975 in Clark, Nevada. Beverly Ward, last seen on the 4th of July 1978 in Geary, Kansas. Joanna Sire, last seen on the 15th of August 1978 in Montreal, Canada. Talitha Good, last seen on the 10th of September 1978 in Baltimore, Maryland. Sheila Quinn, last seen on the 27th of February 1980 in Cook, Illinois. Toya Hill, last seen on the 24th of March 1982 in Baltimore, Maryland. Laurent Cole, last seen on the 25th of February 1983 in New York City, New York. And finally, Sean DeGreen, last seen on the 15th of October 1983 in Wichita, Michigan. As of June 2020, all of these girls are still missing. The skulls from two other Jane Doe's have also been ruled out as belonging to Precious Hope. The first being the Newton County Jane Doe, whose skull and other partial remains were discovered in Morocco, Idaho on the 5th of August 1988, and the New Hampton Jane Doe, whose partial remains were found on the 26th of December 1983 in Northampton, North Carolina. One of the original investigators who worked on Precious Hope's case, Herb Riley, died in 1996, but her case still continues to touch the rest of the original investigative team. Detective Leroy Atkins said, quote, Each year I feel this case will finally be solved. Each year I am disappointed in myself and in mankind. I will never forget, never rest, never be at peace with myself until this case is solved. Unquote. And Joe Burgoon commented, quote, We never had a child killed like that. I thought about her every time I drove past that cemetery. Unquote. After her exhumation, Precious Hope was buried in the Calvary Cemetery in St. Louis. Her funeral and gravestone was funded by the Garden of Innocence Project, a charity that funds and holds memorials and burials for unidentified children in and around St. Louis. Precious Hope's gravestone now reads, quote, The saddened heart is healed by knowing the pain of life is over and the beauty of the soul revealed, unquote. I'm now going to go over Precious Hope's description again. She was an African-American child between the ages of 8 to 11. She was found in an abandoned building in St. Louis, Missouri on the 28th of February 1983. She was likely not native to the area and might have been raised or spent a lot of time in one of the following states. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, West Virginia, Georgia, Mississippi, Kansas, Tennessee, Florida, Louisiana, North Carolina and South Carolina. She was sexually assaulted and either suffocated or strangled to death and was decapitated post-mortem. She stood between 4 foot 10 to 5 foot 6 inches tall and weighed between 58 to 80 pounds. She had spina bifida occulta but her symptoms may have been asystematic and it's possible she and her parents or guardians were not aware she had this condition. Her nails were painted red, 
She was well nourished with no signs of abuse or neglect and had no scars or other abnormalities to speak of. When found, she was wearing a yellow jumper and her hands were tied behind her back with white and red nylon rope, which was possibly either a ski rope or boat line. Police believe there is a high possibility she will never find her true name unless a member of the public comes forward with information. So please share this episode on your social media and see if we can get awareness spread around this case. And if you have any information related to Precious Hope, please call the St. Louis Police Department on 1314 5822 or you can call the St. Louis City Medical Examiner's Office on 1314-622-4971. As I've said in past episodes, Jane Doe cases really break my heart, especially when that Jane or John Doe is a child. If you are interested in hearing more about Jane and John Doe cases, I highly suggest you listen to the Doe podcast, which is the promo I played at the start of this episode. They are just as passionate about Jane and John Doe cases as I am, and I really do think you would enjoy their content, so please go over and check them out. All sources relating to this case can be found on our website at uncovertruecrimepodcast.co.uk. Before I finish off today's episode, I want to tell you about the series I'm releasing on this podcast next week. The series is called Racism Killed, and from Monday to Friday, I'll be releasing a new episode where we uncover a case where racism killed a person of colour, where victims didn't receive justice, their case remains unresolved, or is still unsolved. As I said, there will be five new episodes from Monday to Friday and it would really mean a lot if you would come and listen to these cases. That's everything I have for you today. Thank you for listening till the very end. Please stay safe and have a good night.